Welcome to the fourth episode of The Extra Point presented by Bleacher Fan. Today is March 4th, so it was destined to be. We're going to be talking a little boxing, the Deontay Wilder fight, a little draft, the MLB, some college basketball, NBA. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about about one of our partners, Thrive Fantasy. Jones, take it away. Yeah, so we uh, we got this new app. Uh, it's called Thrive Fantasy. Um, if you guys like daily fantasy sports and you like betting on sports, which I'm sure most of you do, um, this app is absolutely perfect. Uh, we've been playing around with it here, Bleacher Fan Crew, for a few weeks now, um, and we were able to become one of their launch partners for uh, an app that we really think is a new take on the whole daily fantasy sports arena. Um, so instead of picking your your players that you have on a roster like you would in a DraftKings or a FanDuel, each contest is comprised of separate bets. Um, LeBron James over under 25 points in tonight, and each side of the bet is assigned a point value, and you accumulate points based on the bets you win within a, within a contest, and you're paid out some cold, hard cash based on where, what place you finish in within these contests, similar to DraftKings. Um it's a it, the setup is, is similar to FanDuel and DraftKings in that sense, except instead of picking a roster, you're picking single bets. So it really does an awesome job of combining sports betting and daily fantasy for someone who maybe isn't that up to pace on you know the the players like they should be for to be successful in DraftKings, but also not willing to throw down all that types of money it takes to make betting on sports single games worthwhile. Um, so. Check it out. We're going to throw a link in the bio for you guys to sign up. Um, you get exclusive access through the, through Bleacher Fans' partnership with them. So check it out. Download the app and tell us what you think. Absolutely. Go and check it out. There will be links on all forms of our social media and our website. So definitely check it out. If you're on our site, just give it a click. And it takes about two to three minutes. I did it myself. And it is an incredible app. Get on it before the train leaves the station. There's a lot of money to be made early on. Thrive Absolutely. Fantasy. Absolutely. Now, to kick it off, let's get into some segments. Let's kick it off with best bets. Let's do a little recap of how you guys did. So, Tom, how how did you do on your week? Yeah, well, it's Cavs minus four and a half, and they got smoked by the Spurs. Um, pretty much how my year's been going betting-wise. I was real hot for a few weeks. Hit a bunch of parlays, was up a ton, lost a ton of money on the Super Bowl. Those goddamn Patriots! It's been a it's been a losing losing record for me since. So it's just fitting that my pick was wrong. Hopefully today, you know, turn that around. Gotcha. So anything you say today, most likely I am gonna pick the opposite. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should do that. You should definitely do that. How about you, Jones? Talk to me. Uh, so last week I, I took uh, FSU, unfortunately, on the road, and they were not able to cover. Um, but, you know, we all take our losses in strides. Um, How much did they miss by? We're not going to talk about that. And, you know, <laughs> it was a number of points, somewhere between 1 and 100. <laughs> we don't like to get into specifics here. You know, a loss is a loss. We'll, we can, you know, we'll move on. But uh, 
yeah, we're looking. We got a, hopefully a great pick this week from all of us, and uh, hopefully you guys could tail and win some money. All right, so we'll kick off our picks with someone who was. Wait, what about more... me? What about me? No, I, I'm getting to you, Sully. Don't worry. I'm gonna show you some love. We're gonna kick all it right, off with right, somebody right. who was more fortuitous than the other two, Sully. Talk to me about your last week's picks and then get right into your next week's picks. All right. Well, first off, how are we doing, gentlemen? Uh, I am great, as usual. Thanks for asking. And uh, my pick <laughs> hit, unlike my other two counterpartners. I picked West Virginia minus one. It did go up to minus six because of three starters going out for Texas Tech. Uh, and they won by 10 points, 84 to 74. It was senior night uh, for them, Javon Carter. And, you know, they were dominating most of the game, up 10 to 20. It was an easy cover and an easy money. So, uh, feeling good about that. And for this week, I'm taking the Clippers, minus 7.5, against the Nets. The Nets have lost 10 of 11 and, quite frankly, are terrible. Uh, to no one's surprise, they were playing a little better in the beginning of the year. But as of now, they are completely fucking terrible. So, you take the Clippers, minus 7.5. And the Clippers beat them by 13 on the road in Brooklyn last time they played them. They're home tonight. I think it's a lock. And if you lose any money, uh, definitely check out Matthew Sullivan on Twitter and send him all your complaints there. Uh, Tom, talk to me. We'll put his Venmo link in the bio, too. Exactly. <laughs> Venmo will be open. Uh, I'm taking Bucks plus one against the Sixers. So it's a seven and six seed right now in the East. Uh, Sixers, they have a losing record on the road, the 14 and 17. Bucks are 19 and 13 at home. Bucks are on a four-game skid right now. They're looking to snap that. Last time they played, I think it was January 29th. Bucks won 107.95, and Giannis dropped 31. It's crazy. I think that they're playing the Sunday night game for the NBA. Like, who would have thought two years ago that the fucking Bucks and the Sixers would be the primetime game on <laughs> Sunday night? And now they're just there trust in the process and moving forward but yeah i'm saying bucks plus one what about you jones so i'm going a little college um i was in the house at the big 10 tournament on saturday to watch uh michigan beat michigan state and purdue take down penn state um so in the championship game i'm going with purdue minus three and a half both these teams have been hot although i love beeline as a as a march coach he's one of the best in the business they're both built for tournaments but purdue is much deeper and because of that better built for March I think this line should be closer to six or seven but because of Michigan's big upset victory over Michigan State yesterday I think the lines crept down been bet down a little bit so I just like the value on Purdue I think it'll be a good game throughout I think it'll be close um at the end of the day I think Purdue's experience is the thing that brings them over the edge Something is true with Purdue that's almost unheard of in college basketball today. Four out of their five starters have been playing together for four years. So that level of experience and chemistry just doesn't happen in the college game today. And I think that's the reason they are going to win out tonight and probably make a little bit of a run in the tournament. Probably a Sweet 16, maybe a Elite Eight appearance. Perfect. So I think I'm going to add in every single one of you guys' Venmo. So win or lose, somebody will get something <laughs> out of it. All right. So let's jump right into today's sports and history. It sucked this week. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but let's see if you guys could guess some of these. Today in sports history, in 1874, this sport adapted this this thing, let's just say. So the sport, let's just say, is a, a high velocity and an object. Go ahead, Sully. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure, honestly. I mean, if, if, give me more hints. Give me more hints. Gotcha. I could take a guess, but. All right. So, 
a player enters this before getting the object thrown at him at a very high velocity. Oh. Baseball invented the batter's box. Yeah. There you go. I should have went with my gut. I knew it was baseball. (laughs) Always trust your gut. That's the kind of week this is where we're talking about the baseball (laughs) batter's box. The second one. In 1940, the first televised basketball game. All right. Now you have to guess who it was. So one of them is a New York team based in the five boroughs. Then are both teams still NBA franchises in their same cities today? No, it's actually college teams. Oh. That. Yeah. Oh. oh, so. Oh, no, that's not in the five boroughs. St. Wow. John's played. Nope. nope. Fuck. <laughs> I feel like. Is there, an, is there another schools? Fordham. Was Fordham one of them? It was Fordham. And, who else? and then the other and who school. Else? The other school is located in the Steel City. Hit? Pit. <laughs> it is pit. That was literally yeah. the easiest. Yeah, it's pit. Wow. <laughs> Let's go, Tommy. Wow. Well, I'm thinking like older school. I'm like, it must be. I'm like, it's not like NYU. It's not. If it's not St. John's, I mean, it must be Fordham. It's just yeah, New York. Yeah. I mean, the colleges aren't like amazing for basketball in the city, really. No, yeah. I mean, New York City's college team is considered Syracuse, probably. Yeah, that's why I thought. I thought the Q's were yeah. like, no, that's not one of the five boroughs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's the five there's definitely more Q's fans than any other school here. I, I don't even know a St. John's fan. J. Cole. Yeah, true. Right. <laughs> J. Cole. Gotcha. <laughs> I've run into him on the street a couple times, so I consider us friends, so I guess we'll count that. No way. He doesn't text me back, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting straight into the NFL. The Combine is going on. It started February 27th. We've seen some pretty good performances coming out of Saquon Barkley, Josh Allen, um, Shaquem Griffin just put up 20 bench presses with one hand and a prosthetic arm. Pretty good feel-good story. Let's get into the guy who shocked everyone. I don't know if he shocked everyone, but wowed everyone when he's already been a beast in Saquon Barkley. His combine, he ran a 4-4 flat, 29 bench reps, a 41-inch vertical. Like, this has to be the number one pick. Am I right? I, I I just want to say something on, on Griffith quick. Like that dude put up twenty reps, and this Oklahoma lineman, I, I forget his name. Uh, you know, one of the top ranked linemen in the draft, and he puts up eighteen. This guy's main selling point is his size, and he's putting up this guy with one hand is putting up more reps than him. Like this kid is, he's gonna be something special on some level. It might be the best special teams player we've ever seen. But he's gonna do something like that. You can't match that drive or that that type of passion. Yeah. I just don't. <laughs> the kid doesn't get enough credit. Nevertheless, on, on to Barkley. I mean, it. This has got to be the best combine performance we've ever seen, right? Like in history. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, what what did we put out? He, was, he ran a. He had more reps than Joe Thomas. Ran a. It had a higher leap than Julio Jones. Ran faster forty than Odell, Julio, and antonio brown the guy he's faster than devin hester like it's it's this guy's broke like combine records on the four different you know events no I'm, I'm not even one who thinks the combine is like all that like you know end all be all but i mean when you when you do something like that i mean this guy's like he's a fucking olympic athlete i mean he, he could he he had an eight and a half inch higher vertical than zeke nine and a half higher than bell and he tied david johnson but he's 10 pounds heavier than johnson He's like six or seven pounds heavier than Bell and um, – or Bell might be heavier than him. But Zeke, he's like eight or nine pounds heavier than as well. And he's jumping almost a foot higher than these guys. 
Yeah, it doesn't he's make a, any sense. He's a monster. I mean, he he is worthy of being the number one pick. Whoever picks him will not regret him. Uh, the only thing that could be a problem is running back shelf life is not long at all, obviously. You know, once you hit 30, you're pretty much not the same player history shows us. Yeah. But the Browns should take him one. Obviously, if we know the Browns, they're not going to take him one. The Browns are probably going to take Josh Allen one. And he'll probably go to the Giants at two at this point, although it changes every few days. We hear reports it's constantly changing the mock drafts, but it seems like the Giants love him at two if he's available. Yeah, the Giants. And then the Daily News just posted an article talking about how Saquon Barkley would love to play here and how he's spoken to Gettleman and how they're all in love with each other. And it's basically one big love fest. But if the Browns do not take him at one, they would be absolute morons. I think that he is such a dynamic player. He would, I mean, Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell, if you look at their PFF ranking, their pro fo- football focus ranking, they're both under 50. Like, I don't even know that happened, how that happens. They should even be starting running backs. They need to definitely take him. You pair him with last year's first-round pick. I mean, you got two dynamic guys. Miles Garrett clearly was the best player last year. I think Saquon Barkley clearly is the best player this year. So you, you have to take him. But speaking of which, we got a little mock draft of the fo- the top five picks. Uh, do you want to kick it off, Sully? Sure. I will. So first, as we know, the Browns are the Browns. Uh, they're going to take Josh Allen first, I believe. Um, second, I think the Giants do take Barkley at two. Although he was a Jet fan growing up. You're speaking of the love fest. Yeah. Give some love to my Jets. Three, I don't even think he wants to walk into that. <laughs> Three, uh, the Colts are going to take Chubb from N- from uh, NC State. Uh, four, Browns are going to take uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, cornerback uh, slash safety. And then the Broncos are going to take uh, Sam Darnold. And then the, at six, the Jets, I know I, I got to throw them in there. You said top five. But six, the Jets may get their guy, Josh Rosen, at six that they wanted originally going in the year. So more defensive players than people think. Chubb and Fitzpatrick there at three and four. Everyone's high on the quarterbacks, but I think there's going to be at least two of those guys in the top five are going to be defensive players. Defense wins championships. Yeah, no, that is true. (laughs) Defense does win championships. All right, Tom, give us yours. All right, so I think the Browns are taking Barkley first, and they'll go after a quarterback with number four. I think they take Barkley one. I have the Giants taking Rosen at two. Colts, I agree with Sully, are going to take Chubb at three. Um, I have Darnold going four to the Browns, 4,100 yards, 26 and 13, finished 11 and three. Pretty solid quarterback there. Then I think Denver, because they're not going to have Darnold or Rosen left, I think they're going to go with Mayfield. I think Mayfield's <laughs> going to crack the top five late if those two quarterbacks go first, and that'll round out my top five. I also think the Jets, because I saw today they were going to um, go after Butler if they can't re-sign Claiborne. So that might, if they can get that deal done before the draft, that could uh, change I some see things him. there. I could see him going there just to fucking spit right. in the pitch. Yeah, face. exactly, exactly yeah, what I was thinking. you guys. You guys are going to get th- Wilkerson anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it. You know he's going <laughs> you know to be amazing. He's going to have like 30 oh, sacks, sacks next year. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. In training camp, someone's going to go down with a seasoning injury. Hopefully it's not Tom because then it's over. You know, but God, you know every – yeah. You know, who else, you know who else wants to become a Patriot and he openly said it? Preston Brown from the Bills. Guy led tackle totals last year in 144. Just openly saying, like, he's not even 
fresh off the Bills, and he's openly saying, "Yeah, I want to go to the Pats." <laughs> Fucking I crazy. How the Bills Mafia will feel about that one? <laughs> Probably try to murder him. Yeah, put him through a flaming table. He's dead as we speak. Hey, better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Jones, go ahead with yours. All right, so my top five. I think the Browns, as tempting as Barkley is at one, I think they go with the probably the safest quarterback available, and I think they take Sam Darnold number one overall. Um, he might not have as high a ceiling as Allen or Rosen, but his floor is much higher than both of them. Um, I don't think – I think they just – they're in a place where they can't gamble. They should just – I know it's tempting to wait on the QB to four, but just take your guy – um, take the safest pick at this point, and I think they take Darnold one. That leaves the Giants, although Barkley's tempting again. Um, I think the Giants are really debating between Rosen and Darnold, and the Browns make this decision for them, and they take Rosen with the second overall pick, which is probably the way they're leaning anyways. Um, but you sit him behind Eli for a year, and you play him when Eli can't win or until the end of the year. Um, Eli, I'll teach Rosen you know, how to be an NFL pro, how to go about the game, and most importantly, how to win Super Bowls. Um, again, I understand the, the the desire to take Barkley here, especially after this performance, but at the end of the day, the Giants have never picked this high. Uh, they probably won't, again, uh, let's be realistic, e- even if they put the same team on the field, they're not winning two games next year. They're probably a five- to seven-win team, um, especially with the cap space. I'm assuming they'll they'll – rework their offensive line a little bit and you can't bank on the injuries they had so i i think you just got to take take your qb and have the guy that's going to go against Dak and wentz for the next decade in the nfc east because at this point if you don't have a quarterback in that division you are fucked but speaking of barkley i think he goes three to the colts uh i think the colts owe it to andrew luck to finally get him some legit weapons to only have ty hilton as your biggest weapon to brag about your whole career is not something Andrew, Andrew Luck should have had to endure to this point. I understand they still have big questions offensive line um, that need to be addressed, but at the end of the day, there's really no top tier, top five offensive line talents in this draft. Um, Agreed. So unless they trade back, uh, I don't, I don't think offensive line is the right play for him. I think they really need to try and dress that in free agency. So I say Barkley goes three to the Colts, and okay, all right. Uh, at four, I think the Browns use their second pick to lock up uh, who I think is the best defensive player in the draft and Micah Fitzpatrick. Um, he's really got no bust potential um, in my mind. Uh, I think he inst- instantly helps the back end of their defense uh, to help support Miles Garrett and that defensive line who quietly had a nice year last year. Um, so I think giving giving if they're able to give Garrett and the rest of that D line an extra half a second or a second on plays to, you know, get to the quarterback, that's going to help them immensely. And I think Fitzpatrick can do that being able to play both safety and a shutdown corner. Um, and then at five, uh, I'm assuming here, the Broncos really make a run at Kirk cousins and bring him in. If they, if they don't, I think they probably go Josh Allen here. Uh, he's a lot like Elway was coming out of college. Maybe not as refined, but same. You know, Elway loves those big, huge quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately the Broncos go with Bradley Chubb at NC State, uh, second best defensive player in the draft. That defense is is getting up there in age. That you know they lost a couple people with Jackson to uh, Jacksonville, and um, there's word of Akeem Talib being released or traded. Uh, so I think. They really need to start to think about building that defense back up around Von Miller, 
Um, and I think they start that with the offensive line. I mean, defensive line here. And then Jets. Everyone seems to be doing the Jets. I didn't do it, but uh, they could go. They could go Baker. Uh, Baker scares me a little bit with accuracy in in MetLife because it's such a windy stadium. He's a short quarterback, and you know, for a guy whose accuracy is his number one trait, um, I don't know if MetLife is necessarily the best stadium for him to play in eight times a year. But I mean, if the Jets like him, they like him. Um, if they don't get Kirk, I think they have to go quarterback or at least try. Yeah, I'll go Baker to to the Jets for the fanfare and you know the the leadership. I guess I guess they'd rather strike out swinging than you know not take a quarterback at all. So. All right, I'll give you my my five, and it throws in a little wrench in here. So at one, I have the Browns, being the Browns taking Josh Allen. Two, the Giants take Barkley. Three, the Colts will take Brad Chubb. Four, this is where it gets interesting. I think the Browns are gonna trade their pick to the Ooh. Miami Dolphins, and they're gonna take, they're gonna get Jarvis Landry, who the Dolphins just tagged, and are listening to to trades from the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are going to get that four pick. And the Browns are going to get that guy to put opposite of, of Gordon. And I think they're going to try to build that shit around Allen. And at five, I think the Broncos are going to take Fitz. And they're going to let go of Akeem. And they're going to try to rebuild that defense with that top uh, talent. So that's my five. What do you guys think about that? Pro- prove me wrong on that. Huh? I like, I like it. it. I know. I like it because... It's so often we we don't account for because it it's almost impossible to account for those trades. But yeah. like we saw last year with even San Francisco uh, and moving back one spot and getting all those picks uh, with the Bears taking Trubisky at two. You never know what they're going to do. There's always trades at the top of the draft throughout the whole draft, really. So I think that's a really good fit for the Bron- uh, for the Browns to build around their offense with those two guys. And then they have Allen as their quarterback. And then I can really see it happening. And then... The Dolphins, Dolphins get their guy too. So, all right. Well, what do you guys think about Baker Mayfield's comments about being the, being the one guy that's able to turn around the Browns franchise? Do you think he could actually come in and make a difference, or are you just thinking that this is more of his confidence than anything? Uh, I think it's probably more of his confidence than anything. I think. You know, all of these top four or five guys have the potential to come in and turn around the Browns. Uh, it's not like you know they're an unsavable franchise as much as that it may seem at times yeah. but you know you know you want your guy to have that type of confidence i've seen all this stuff the past you know week about how all of a sudden baker's too cocky and it's not confident it's like what do you want him to say like he's not like he doesn't know if he could play in the nfl like let's get fucking real for a second like i'm i want the guy at quarterback who like thinks he's gonna run through the other team and he can do whatever he wants i don't want the guy who's you know sensible oh, maybe we could you know if i'm if i have the talent i could get there just yeah. give me <laughs> give me the motherfucker that's gonna tell me that he's gonna kick some ass and take some names on sundays and, I mean, even adding, thinks- and and even adding to that bro quarterbacks especially college quarterbacks who are starters they've been starting since they were little kids they've been built for this moment there has never been a moment where they've been the QB2. They've always been the star. So show the same confidence that you showed throughout your whole entire life. Don't come in here and say, oh, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Fucking be yourself because that's that's how you gauge what you're getting. I think Baker's very authentic, and I fucking love it. 
I think he should continue it. I think yeah. he's gonna be like he's gonna be one of those guys that he's gonna be relentless. He's not gonna give a shit. Look at him. He's already grabbed his dick at other teams on the sideline in college. <laughs> yeah. Imagine he give gets, me that guy. Yeah, he gets to the Browns. The Browns don't give a shit. The Browns aren't gonna be like, hey, stop being so goddamn competitive. They're gonna be like, all right, you're like stuffing it down teams' throats. Like, let's go for it. Yeah, the yeah, opposite I, of that guy is Tim Tebow, who's reading Bible verses on Sundays now instead of fucking yeah. playing in the NFL. No, he's he's striking out as I just saw him do <laughs> in forty nine seconds against Max Scherzer. The only thing he's hit is a fucking sprinkler. Head I literally spring- just saw him strike out today for the second time. With the, I have the TV on. This happened like a minute ago, but I completely agree with everything said. I love Baker's attitude. I love. I think he his his confidence, his attitude, his work ethic is infectious. His teammates have spoke volumes of him. Uh, like he said, he's the type. He doesn't just show it on 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 game day. He shows it at the five a.m. lifts every day. He brings it all the time. That's what his teammates are telling me. So I'm gonna believe them. He's just a passionate guy who loves football. Who I really like a lot. The Georgia game scared me a little bit. I don't know how great of a uh, football player he will be, but he will be a decent quarterback at minimum. For whatever team that gets him, whatever team that drafts him is going to get a confident player. It's going to give his all. It's going to push push his teammates and other players around him and make people better. So if the Jets got him, if they can't get Kirk, um, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, Baker. Let's run through a fucking wall. Let's go. But that, still going to go also, 0-2 yeah. against the Pats. All right, now switching sports to them up. There's been a lot of spring training storylines with Shohei Otani starting to play a lot of other players. But let's focus in a little bit on <laughs> Miguel Andujar. Dave, this is more of our little, you know, sector. He's been lighting it up in the in spring. He's batting 429, has hit four homers so far. Yeah, what do you think about this? 12 at bats. What do you think about uh, this? I, I, you know, I mean, obviously I'm excited. This kid has been so highly touted for so long. Him and Tor- Torres coming up this year. Um, I... I I agree. Sully's talked about it before, but I agree there's some value in, in holding him back for the first month or two or whatever the, the deadline is in the beginning of May to in the effort to gain another year of control over his contract situation. They were going to do it with Judge, but then Judge just was so powerful that, and <laughs> playing so well that they couldn't not put him in the lineup. But I think they have the they have the depth here, especially with the Drury trade, to kind of hold him back. Um, and Torres is no slouch. Uh, as a utility guy off the bench, he filled in fantastically all year last year. I think almost every, I think every uh, infield position aside from first base. So I think it's a luxury the Yankees have, and I, I obviously the kids, you know, got the talent, and he could be special and could be the third baseman of the future. But uh, I agree that we could we should take some time to to let him settle um, in the minors for a month or two, and then bring him up uh, as needed um, to play be on the full time roster for good. But it's exciting. Yeah, he looks really great. Uh, he looks just like all these Yankee prospects. They have the top farm system or, or 1A, 1B, regardless. Uh, these guys, they're just they're coming out and producing right away. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm a Yankee hater, obviously. But as you, even as a Yankee hater, you got to say, well, how is he not going to dominate once he gets like Sanchez, like Didi? Well, Didi wasn't right, but Sanchez, Judge, all these guys that are just coming up and producing right away. Even their pitchers like Chad Green. These guys are just come up from the farm system and they're ready to play. So he looks ready. Uh, I, I do agree uh, that they'll probably go Drury at third uh, and then Therese at second. And their lineup 
may take a little bit of a hit, but they'll be their lineup is disgusting as I'm looking at it right now. It's just it's pure <laughs> filth. Yeah, Greg Bird's gonna be batting like seventh or eighth. So for the start of opening day, I have Gardner batting leadoff, and I don't think Gardner's the greatest player, but Gardner's just a guy who runs through a wall. I love him. He's great. He's their emotional leader. He's your leadoff guy just for just emotion and just he's the leader yeah. veteran. The energy Two, I, there. Yeah, energy especially. Two, I have Didi actually. They, I think they're wow. going Stanton. I mean, uh, Judge, excuse me, but I have two. I have DD. The combination of speed and power, I think, is good. You want that two position, you can get on base. Three, I have Judge. Uh, on base, you want him high in the top of that order. Uh, you know, he 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 has a chance to hit for 300. I don't think he will. He'll on base percentage 430 over 400. Four, I'm putting Sanchez actually because I think you want to split up Stanton and Judge because they're so similar. Um, I would I want to split them up. And with Sanchez, you don't. You don't really miss much. I mean, if he gets he stays healthy, he could easily hit 40 home runs. He's got Mike Piazza and then some power um, at the c- catcher position. Then, as I said, I have Stanton at five. Um, and then six, I'm going uh, Hicks, actually. Um, seven, just to break it up, uh, put a lefty in there. And then seventh, I'm going Bird. And then eighth, uh, Drury. And ninth, uh for the first, you know, first month opening day, uh, Ronald Therese. And that's my lineup. In mine, in comparison, I have Brett up first. Then I have Judge at two because I know they love him there for some reason. At three, I actually have Sanchez just because I think he's one of our best pure hitters. And I think that's really, it should be reserved for the best hitters, the third. And then, like you said, splitting up Judge and Stanton, I have Stanton at fourth. Bird at fifth, protecting Stanton. Didi at six, then Hicks at seven, eighth jury, and then Torres at ninth. So there are some similarities and differences there. But what about what do you think about that, Jones? Uh, I like it. I, minor variations to your guys. I I have Gardner and I like Sully. I think Didi's a perfect number two hitter. Um, he's similar to Jeter in that sense, where it's kind of like a you know a cross between power and and average he's probably he's got more power than jeter ever had but um i think he's the two hitter for this lineup uh, i think judge yeah, although they love him there i think it's kind of a waste at at two um but i do like judge batting third with stanton behind him at fourth i think stanton will provide a lot of protection to judge um judge struggled last year with kind of swinging at some pitches uh out of the zone uh, especially after the all-star break when he went into that huge slump. I think having Stanton behind him uh, will just put that in the pitcher's mind that you really can't make a mistake to judge. You have to pitch to him. Um, you have to make him put the ball in play. So I like Stanton batting fourth behind judge. Sanchez fifth. Uh, Bird sixth to put, put a lefty in there. Uh, Hicks seventh. Drury eighth. And... Torres or Torres, whoever starts at second, uh, batting ninth. Yeah, so ours are very similar, for sure. Yeah, me and Sally's are very similar with a couple of switches in 3-4 spot. Yeah. Well, you had Judge 3, right? Yeah, I got Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, 3-4-5. Oh, so we just are, the only difference is, is, is Sanchez and Stanton. Yeah. We just have them flipped, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I have Bird sixth over Hicks. No, I have I have Bird. Do I? No, I have Bird seventh. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, I mean, but at that point, I think it's interchangeable. I think they're very similar hitters. Um, I think that's going to be a, a matchup by matchup basis, depending on the team and the pitcher they're playing that day. Yeah, regardless, the lineup is very scary. Yeah, when you got the number one prospect in baseball potentially batting ninth, it's it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although I do think that there may be some problems for the baby bombers. How so? How so? How so? I mean. I fucking hate the Yankees. It's my job to hate on them. <laughs> I got so much shit last year in the chat for, oh, yo, blah, 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 the Red Sox are not pulling away. They're not pulling away. This, oh, they beat the Indians, whatever. I was I was so close to almost liking them, or, or I respect them, but <laughs> so close that, you know, and then they trade for Stan, and I fucking never have hated them more. <laughs> so I, I'm really hoping that, and it's true that the pressure may get these guys were the young guys. No one really hated them now. Now they're back to the evil empire. Now we hate you. Now everyone hates you. So how are these guys going to get accept and respond to being heckled on the road and and you know just being cussed out and just you know I mean they get that in Boston obviously with with Tommy over there but but everywhere now and you know I'm sure a lot of these guys will handle it well but maybe they won't. Maybe some of them won't. So. I don't think they'll score the most runs this year. I think I think the Astros will, or another team will score more runs than them. There, I said it. <laughs> Try to put some I mean, money the Astros. That. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Jones. I got, I got you. I see you. Bleacher right, we'll bets. We'll talk. We'll talk. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'll put money up against that. I'll take highest I'll, runs. I'll take the field. I'll take the field. You take the Yankees. We'll call it. We'll call it a chicken Caesar wrap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you good with that? I'm good with that. I'm good with I mean, that. They, they were second last year to the Astros. Then you had Stanton. So they, they're they the clear favorite, obviously. I'm just a little bit trolling, a little bit of hope, a little bit of, you know, so. Yeah, you got, you got yourself a deal. I'll ride the baby bombers this year. All right, we'll talk. Just wanted to I, throw I will in. say, I, I, the, in regards to your, your, your pressure and uh, the way they'll deal with with the heckling, I think that's where Aaron Boone will come in big time. Uh, he was part of that, although albeit a short time, he was in the heat of that that rivalry the last time. It was really fan, you know, three and four, and obviously him, you know, being a five greatest moments in the history of the rivalry. Um, that walk off. I think he's going to be someone that can really relate to the players. A younger guy, um, well liked by everyone that comes in touch with him. Um, I think that's gonna. That's really what Cashman was going for: is that someone to really nurture this these younger guys and you know relate to them um, on a level that that uh, Joe Girardi wasn't able to. And Fuck even... Aaron Boone, first and foremost. <laughs> Fuck Aaron Boone. <laughs> I actually Wait. really like Aaron Boone. He's a great guy. Everyone, no one, no one has a bad word to say about the guy. Obviously, I take that. Like I take that back because he made the next year that much sweeter. He made 2004 that much better. Yeah, with that walk-off. He got him. Yeah, I don't understand Grady Little's decision-making in that situation. I was like eight years old, and I was like, you should probably not do that. (laughs) (laughs) You should probably not do that. Pedro's gas. An (laughs) eight-year-old Tom. Yeah, (laughs) let's do that. (laughs) Does it anyway. Uh, Yeah, Jones, even um, with speaking of Aaron Boone, it kind of reminds you of the situation where and I know he doesn't really talk much like the person I'm going to refer him to, but it's like Rex Ryan when Rex Ryan was the head coach of the Jets those first couple of years when they were very successful. And he would talk so much that it would take the pressure off the players and actually he would get much of the heat. 
So now the expectations are Aaron Boone has to win a World Series this year because he's a new head coach. He's a new manager. So I think most of the pressure really, and I think he'll relay this to the team. He'll be like, look, I'll take all the pressure. It's really on me. You guys just go out there and play. So I hope that's how it plays out. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to affect them that much, Sully. Hopefully it does. I hope it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, Tom, what were you going to say, Tom? No, I think it's in the same situation as the Red Sox right now. They have, they both have recent players as their head coaches. They're guys that can actually relate to them, versus like a Girardi or a Farrell who are from that generation before. They're more old, old school fucks. guys. Yeah, they're they're older geriatric fucks coaching the game. And now you have these young guys in there. They're going to be going out. They're going to be able to relate to the players. They're going to be able to motivate these young guys on both teams. I think the AL East is going to be very, very competitive. I, I seriously can't wait. I'm itching for baseball season. I like. I don't really care for spring training because it's like you're not seeing too much of the guys you want to see play. You know, you're really you're getting a feel for what the young talent is. But I can't wait for opening day. I'm so freaking excited. Yeah, I haven't been this excited for a baseball season in, in a long, long time. Seriously, it's like baseball I am is too, back. But of course, you are, Jones. You got fucking. <laughs> yeah, you got the best hitters. The Empire's <laughs> back, baby. Bring all the hate. All Let's, the hate. Shying away a little bit from the Yankees. Let's check in on the Mets. Let's send it away to Sully in Long Island with a Mets report. All right, thanks, Anthony. Right now we're watching the Mets get absolutely pummeled by the National 7-2. Probably something's going to happen a lot this year. And it's a fucking shit show right now. Everyone's getting hurt. We have Tebow spraining his ankle on sprinklers. Seriously. <laughs> How have we not solved that problem yet of sprinklers in the outfield? Like, fucking yeah, I thought we Come got rid now. of that in, when Mickey Mantle hurt himself in the fucking yep. 1950. It, like, fucked up, it, like, fucked up his career. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have DeGrom with a stiff back. We have Ioannis Cespedes with a sore shoulder. We have Lagars with a strained left hamstring. We have Jay Bruce with some nice plantar fasciitis, if you like that. Uh, <laughs> we got Rosario being pulled yesterday with an irritated uh, knee. We have Dominic Smith with a strained quad and uh, the Tebow sprinkler thing. Yeah, so it's it's a complete mess. Although Degrom pitched a twenty uh, bullpen session of twenty pitches Friday, um, Lagares is back in the lineup Friday as well. Bruce is playing through it, but plantar fasciitis. It's a very nagging injury. It'll probably be with him. And then some of these guys are back, so nothing's nothing's like long term. Oh, they're fucked. But a lot of these injuries, like the plantar fasciitis, the the strain quad, the strain hamstring, they're just nagging injuries. I feel like. So as a Met fan, you're not, maybe you're not as doom and gloom as I just was there. But, I mean, the amount of injuries we've had, this is it's not what you want to see. So it's a little cause for concern if you're the Mets right now, being that we had all these new trainers. It just seems like the same shit, and we're pissed. We're we we want to be healthy for one year because we have a good team this year. I'm telling you, we have a good team for once. We have the team that can go far. But if these injuries keep going this way, then we're not going to even win 80 games. We won't. Yeah, it's been like every single year hearing Mets fans like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, just because he's had so many injuries. And it's, if it's not one thing, it's the other, whether Matt Harvey fucking it up or injuries derailing your whole team. I really hate to be that guy. I'm not an excuses person, but yeah. it's hard. Like when half your lineup is 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 out, at least half your lineup is out for half the year. It's it's hard not to. We have guys like Gavin Chichinian. We traded our whole team away last year. We just have like bums playing. Thankfully, we have a lot more depth this year. Which we have like Flores. Flores is back end of the 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 bench. You have Reyes. 
Um, like the the Frazier added a great third baseman. We have a lot more depth this year, so we can't we can't handle some in. Be a good yeah. practice run. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and moving on from the Mets, let's check in on the Red Sox with Tom up in Boston. Take it away, Tom. What's up, guys? Really excited, really excited for this season. Like I've been saying, I think um, this is the best position they've been in in the past few years, even having Ortiz a few years back. I think this puts them in a better position with Martinez. You're pretty much trading just as efficient of a just as efficient of a hitter, my bad. Um, with Martinez, he's younger. We're going to have quite a few good years with him, I think. Hopefully he sticks it out, doesn't take those options after the first uh, two years. I think uh, pitching-wise, I think we're going to be a force this year. I hope Price can crack through. He showed some real good signs of it in the playoffs last year in that series against the Astros. He was the only one that could do anything to stop them. Um, maybe coming out of the bullpen is good for him. We'll see. I think Cora is going to put him as a starter. But we'll see what happens there. I think Sale's going to have another monster year. He had 308 strikeouts last year. Second highest innings total with a 214.1. I think they'll cut back on that a little this year to save a little gas for him in the playoffs because he did kind of lose it in that series against the Astros. He definitely didn't look like himself. I think that first game he got uh, he got taken yard twice in the first inning, I'm pretty sure. So uh, that was not a good thing. So I think they'll cut back on his innings this year. But the lineup... I mean, very young, very exciting. I think it's going to be uh, Mookie Betts leading off, followed by uh, Andrew Benintendi, then uh, Xander Bogart's third. They'll have Martinez as the DH, batting cleanup. Uh, probably Rafael Devers, fifth, and then Hanley, sixth. Then I'm thinking Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, batting seven. Nunez in the eighth spot, and then uh, catcher Vasquez, or um, our other catcher who I'm blanking on right now, will be batting ninth. But I think starting is going to be a Vasquez. I think like it's going to be a real tight race at the end of the season with the Yankees. We'll go 96, 96 to 100 wins for both of them. I think they'll be real close within a game there. The AL East is going to be exciting. Looking real good. And uh, I think the Yankees, though, that's going to be a tough one. I'm looking forward to that rivalry getting going with the young talent on both sides. Love the rivalry. Even as a Met fan, I always I always admired the uh, Sox-Yankees rivalry it's truly one of the best in sports up there with Ravens Steelers Duke UNC as we saw last night and what I like best about the Sox is I love that outfield Tom I love the defensive oh. I love the defensive prowess of that outfield with Ben Benny and oh Bradley is oh Bradley is I mean he's in there for his defense obviously he's incredible right win dance repeat man win dance repeat I love yeah, that's it. that's cool too how they do that there like it but I, I think it's cool they're young. It's like it just shows you that they're friends. They're enjoying their time. It's like back in the day when you had the idiots yeah. in the outfield. You had Johnny Damon and Manny with their long hair and the beards. You had freaking Trot Nixon, the most Trot. badass, most badass right fielder of all time, wearing the same dirty ass hat for nine years. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, he wouldn't change his hat. He wore the same hat. They made him at one point. They were like, dude, it just like smells. That's like, wild. Gotta, like we gotta put. I think it's in the. Uh, it might be wrong, but it's in some Hall of Fame somewhere. Maybe oh, it's definitely Hall wrong to do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the Baseball Hall of Fame, but like uh, maybe the Red Sox Hall of Fame if they have one. I've seen it somewhere. Then the Hall of Stink. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's a case. They, they vacuum sealed it and shit. <laughs> Dude, what happens to all this game-worn memorabilia like that 
these players get new. Most players get a new hat every game or every series. Where are all these things going? Are they like being auctioned off somewhere? Are they being sold? Like what? A lot There's of so those shits are auctioned Valuable off. memorabilia in all these professional sports. Like, Yankee, I, I know baseball players get new uniforms every time they get ripped or every time or every series or whatever. Like, I know basketball players, they, they hang on to them a little longer, but you got to figure they got at least five or six copies going in a season. Yeah, I, Bro, I mean, it's I, all... I would hope they would. I, they should donate them to someone, like to something. Yeah, hope or they, they sell them and, you know, they, they give it to after school programs or some shit like that, but. I, yeah. I've always wondered, like, what happens. Like, we're talking about thousands of pieces in every sport every year. Thousands, tens, yeah. maybe hundreds of thousands. Yeah, in baseball, especially with caps, like, you took game worn cap. You tell me you can't auction that off for a few hundred bucks and give it to some YMCA or Boys and Girls Club or something. Right. It's cool what the NFL players do. They trade the jerseys, they'll sign the jerseys for I do each like other. That. I, do I like that going on because now you see guys who like. You wouldn't think had respect for each other, and they go yeah. up to each other after the game. And it's like, yo, like, you want to trade jerseys? It's like they're they're fans too. It's cool to see. Yeah, that. yeah. Have you? That's really cool to see. Have you heard that the lower known players, like not not the superstars, that they have to pay for their own replacements when they exchange jerseys? Did you know that? What? Wow. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, it's it's fucked up what they do. Also, another thing they do that's pretty messed up with game worn <laughs> stuff that they auction off. It'll be like they'll say like kicking balls or quarterback balls, and it'll be a ball that has never been touched by the quarterback. It just was in rotation, so they'll say it's an in-game ball, and they'll sell it for six, seven hundred bucks, and it was never touched by any quarterback. It's well, you're an crazy. idiot if you buy that. Yeah, I'm. I haven't been one to you know. This this ball was snapped once in the divisional round of the Patriots <laughs> and the Jets. Seven thousand dollars. What do you think? Yo, Chen has that golf ball that speed through. Yo, that's a pretty. That's, that's a pretty crazy. Dope. After cool. he after that's he cool. that wing that, shot, that's so cool. That's that, something yeah. that, that that is different in in, in yeah. manufacture wise. But it's oh, like yeah. it's like yeah, six, seven hundred, eight hundred bucks for this. Yeah, Randy Jackson. It's gonna be a no for me, dog. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, now changing over to college basketball, there's been a lot of fucking crazy games, especially Duke versus North Carolina yesterday with the Dukes coming back late in the game and winning that. What do you guys think about what's been going on, the wild games, and what teams are you excited for? What about Virginia-Louisville? Yeah, that, that was, was that was probably the craziest ending I've ever seen. Down four with point nine left. I didn't think that was possible. I, I and they lost, Virginia. or they won. They, yeah, they won. Like Virginia comes back and wins, being down. That's unbelievable. In regulation, that, unbe- unbelievable. Like that that's such a mental fuck up. Mental fuck up by Louisville, <laughs> though. You know what? That wouldn't happen if Patino is still there. It's bullshit. Bullshit. They can't. Yeah, they couldn't think straight. The strippers were off the night before. <laughs> yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck? They just sit in their hotel room and watch fucking TV like a bunch of plebes. All you have they to do is not have nothing to look up. forward to. Like, yeah. It was a lane violation. It was a fucking lane violation. Yeah, the lane violation saved them, almost. Because Virginia yeah, committed a lane violation on themselves, and then Louisville forgot you can't fucking move out of bounds if you don't if it's not after a made shot. So that the oh, Virginia's God. lane violation actually ended up saving them. And then they just screwed up from there. You're right. You're right. Damn. I, I, that's such a Virginia thing to do, though. Once he, once he, re, once he released it, I knew it was going in. It's just like Virginia versus 
Patino list Louisville, yeah, that that shot's going in. It's yeah. just like it's going in, and it's and it's gonna suck for you, Louisville. They're they're not very good. Crazy how that program fell without him. Yeah, like, they're really they're shit. They're without him. They'll get just, another coach though. They just like they didn't have the time to. Now I think this offseason they'll get a big name in there. They'll get someone to fill that void. It's just okay. a testament of how much a, a coach means to a program. Like you just need a big big name coach. You need a it's guy like recruiting that recruiting too. It's, it's exactly a big thing with the recruitment is is huge in college sports. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Duke's recruitment looks like when Coach K leaves. Yeah, because right now it looks, ultimate, it looks like, pretty fucking good now. <laughs> yeah. Top three players, and then that's what, that's like the ultimate example of like they aren't anything without Coach K. They they weren't successful before that really. They aren't sure as hell aren't in a desirable location to live. I don't know if any of you ever been to Durham, North Carolina, but it's one of the biggest shitholes I've ever seen. Fuck. Buildings are broken down. It's I mean, Durham or Duke is offset outside of Durham on a closed campus. It's one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever seen, but the geographical location is not a place that's going to draw in recruits exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how a program like that is a blue blood program, but it's a blue blood program because of their coach and no other reason. Um, whereas like a UCLA or a Kentucky, they've re- revolved, you know, a revolving door of coaches and they stay as a blue blood program and they can keep getting recruits. Um, you know, USA, UCLA is not as, as strong as they were, but you know, they're still in the running for a lot of huge names. Now Sharif O'Neal coming is going to be huge for them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, how college basketball unfolds when this kind of wave of coaches that are getting ready to retire, uh, does in fact leave. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys like Bayheim and there's a lot of older guys that are leaving. But um, just to talk on the the Duke mentioning Duke, uh, the Duke UNC game. I I didn't see the whole game, but I saw UNC was up big, and then they just Duke just came back, just Bagley took over know. basically. I said I said I was like you know this I didn't bet on, it, but I was like this is why you take the points in these rivalry games, and then and then they just they covered somehow Duke. I mean, did you, did anyone see like Grayson Allen talk and and uh, Coach K speak about Grayson Allen. Yeah, I watched a little bit. It was great. Yeah, it was yeah, very emotional. I am mean, a huge Grayson Allen fan, and that's very unpopular to many people. But I just love that he that stayed one. four years. That he knew he wasn't ready. I love his passion. You know, I just think he's very relatable because, like, I mean, he's lost his mind, obviously. But who hasn't lost their mind before? Like, he he just does it on pub on in in public eye, and he's just. Yeah. He's a little crazy. He's a little crazy, but, I mean, he's clearly grown. He hasn't had any of those tantrums this year. He's grown, as he said. I mean, Coach K Coach K was like, I love this guy. And he, he it's like a son to him. He said he'll never have someone like him again, someone that good that stays for four years, a national champion, ACC champion, four-year player. You know, I just – I really like Grayson Allen, and I hope he, hope he has a good NBA career because um, I actually like him a lot, unlike probably most people. But I think Duke is – Duke is going to be dangerous now in the tournament. I think Duke, I think they, they're going to ride some momentum here. They've been playing a lot better of late. Bagley's getting back to the swing of things. Bagley, I mean, this guy, he, he throws it up off the backboard, just grabs it and dunks it. Like, that's like, that should be like his go-to move. Bro, <laughs> he was a grown-ass man playing with little kids yesterday. That's and what it was. What's so amazing about Bagley is his, his, I don't know what the word for it is, is but like his jump frequency, like how quickly he jumps his second jump is. after Like, he's off the... He's off the ground so quickly, man. His he's burst. Just, 
Yeah, everyone isn't even jumping at him. He's already got the ball, and it's dunked. And with ferocity, he's just – he's an incredible talent. I think they're – I'm a lot higher on them than UNC this year. I think UNC could lose Sweet 16-ish or, or so, and I think Duke is Duke is poised for a Final Four run type of thing. Gotcha. Dave, what was the game you bet on? So I had Purdue last time. I was at the game. Uh, I had Purdue. It's just uh, I was sick all afternoon after they – or all night after this loss. But I was up there. I had Purdue minus 8.5. They were up 14 with 15 seconds left, and they had the ball, and I lost money. I don't know <laughs> how the fuck it happened. I tried to replay it in my head a million times. Up, up five and a half with possession, 15 seconds left, and I lost money. It was just two bullshit threes, and here we are. I'm I'm out, and my bank account's a little a little lighter. <laughs> Only a little or a lot? <laughs> <laughs> What's a little? <laughs> no. Relatively a little. Relatively a little. All right, so real quick, what pick a team that you're excited for and which big team you don't think will make will make it far in the tournament? I'm uh, excited for – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sully. Go ahead. I'm a Nova fan. My mom went there. Uh, my uncle went there. My cousin, a lot of people. And then I went to fucking Hartford. So I'm just – I'm just awesome, but it's a blue blood uh, basketball program right there. Hartford. Yeah, yeah, we won. We won yesterday. Actually, we're in the we're in the semis now. Um, yeah, I saw. But, I saw. Um, what's his name? John Carroll at dinner after. Yeah, it's pretty after, funny. He, he was he's sitting good. right behind us. I gave him a pat on the back. We said, "Like, hey, good game today." Kid dropped like twenty one, and he's like, "You know, little Irish bro." He's like, "Oh, thank you very much." And his dad's like, <laughs> "Oh, thank you." His dad. When I walked away, his dad was like, "I didn't know you were fucking famous." <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, who, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm gonna say something to him. I was like, I want to have him on the podcast. So I'm like, we yeah, yeah. Building those relationships, baby. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm a Nova fan. I'm excited for us. We uh we had full booth out with a broken hand for a while. Omari Spellman, one of our big men, out for a while. Everyone's back and healthy, although it hasn't been com- too pretty. Um, we got four losses, but pretty. Came out pretty unscathed. We're a four seed right now. We'll probably get one seed. We'll probably be a one seed. Uh, and I think we can make a run. I mean, we did. We're a good, really good defensive team. Really well coached. Good free throws. And we have a lot more offensive firepower than most Villanova teams. This is the most talented Villanova team I've ever seen in my 10, 12 years of being a fan. You know, we got uh, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, he's a monster. Jalen Brunson is an assassin attacking the rim, Amari Spellman, uh, Phil Booth came back. We have, we're, we got so many good players right now that can score and defend. I'm really excited for Villanova. I don't think they're going to go out early. I, I know some years we have. I think we're at minimum, at minimum. I, th- I think last year they, they they lost, what, the second round to Wisconsin? That was yeah. fucking disgusting. That was painful. <laughs> but I think this year, at minimum, I think, I think it's Elite Eight. I, I mean – it's a it's a big minimum, but I think they're another Final Four type team. And then regards to, I mean, I really don't like Texas Tech. They're that's why I bet against them the other day. They're falling apart. I mean, they were ranked up at sixth or seventh. They're falling apart. I like I like Purdue as as Jones said before with with those starters. I think they'll make a good run. Um, Michigan State's another team I really like. Um, and other than that, Michigan lost. They they won a bunch of games in a row. Um, so those are some of the teams I like. What about you guys? Uh, I, I like Michigan State as well. Um, I think this 
as crazy as it sounds, this could be Tom Izzo's best team ever. Um, it's definitely up there talent-wise. He's going to have two guys probably go in the top 10, one in the top five. Um, but, uh, yeah, outside that Michigan loss, like uh, they've just been playing so well. Obviously, they have all these distractions with you know all the, the sexual abuse stuff going on at, Emmett, uh, at Michigan State. But I think Izzo's really putting his foot down come tourney time on all that chatter. Um, I think he's good doing a service to the kids to keep the conversation at basketball. Um, and I think they'll respond. And I, I honestly, I think this Michigan loss is honestly going to, it'll give them a little kick into gear. Um, it'll remind them that they're, they're, you know, so I, I like Michigan state to, to make a run after, you know, being eliminated early a couple of times in the last few years. Um, and also Duke, um, I think Duke's coming on at the right time. There's been questions all year about them being able to play together, their depth. Um, but I think it's finally all coming into, into to fruition. Um, this this great draft class they had or you know recruiting class they had is uh is finally like playing together and and bagley is just an animal um so he's a beast i like both yeah i like both those programs to go far probably elite eight teams um arguably national title contenders um those are my two teams i'm looking forward to watching and and think we'll we'll do some damage in the market I'm pretty hot on Virginia. I think they're the real deal. I mean, they beat Duke. They beat uh, Syracuse twice there. They have two losses, once to Virginia Tech at home. They lost by one. And the game before against Virginia Tech on the road, they won by almost 20 points. I mean, they're a good team. They have a win against Miami. They beat Notre Dame. Like, they're, they're crushing teams. They're the real deal. They had that win against Louisville. They can bring games down to the wire. And although they had that dumb decision at the end, they were able to kind of like force the pressure and force Louisville into making that stupid mistake, giving them the ball back with the chance to win, and they end up winning. I mean, they're they're good under pressure. I think they're going to make a deep run. I also, like you guys said, like Michigan State. Um, one team I think that it's funny that they're ranked, I didn't even realize until the other day, is University of Rhode Island. That's a local team for me, and they're not that great of a program. They're ranked 17 right now. They're 23-4 and four in the year, but I mean – they play in the A-10, so <laughs> not much competition there. It's surprising that they're ranked 17. I think they're going to be middle seed, probably an 8 or 9, get bounced first round. So that's I think they're a, they're a fraud in that pack there. They got so beat on their home court like 30 or something a couple weeks ago or last yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how they're ranked so high. I can't believe they're ranked at all, let alone 17. I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, Michigan's 15, and they just beat the number two team yesterday. Like, it's... Yeah. It's, that's a, that's a weird one for me, but yeah, I'm, I think Virginia, Michigan State, they're poised to make some runs. Virginia maybe not win it all, but I think they could get probably Final Four. See how the I want to see how the bracket works out first, though. See who the one seeds are. See where everyone's coming from. Yeah, I think this year is going to be really important on how the seeds shake out and where what teams' paths look like. I mean, it is every year, but there's so many teams that could you know. One way they get one seed higher or lower than expected, or right. you know, put in the right conference, it could really like change their their fortune. Next Sunday, right? Yep. 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 Awesome. The I mean, is there something up? So. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Not there... as bad as football, though. Not as bad as football. Last I think. year, I thought they did a pretty good job with the teams that made it. It was just some of the seeding that I thought. There's no time more exciting than March Madness, huh? No, nothing. 
All right, before we switch over topics, let's get into a little bit about Sean Miller denying the allegations that were brought forth against him, and he's even threatening to sue ESPN. He'll continue to coach Arizona for the rest of the year, and he's vehemently denying that. Not going to lie, I believe Sean Miller. Um, I I don't want to even necessarily go as (laughs) far to say that ESPN was totally lying because I think it's... It's hard, really hard for them, especially in this news landscape, to really like make a make a huge splash like that and be completely false. Um, I think there there's some truth to it. I don't know, like you know, the, it's the question of talking about paying a player isn't doing anything. It's about exactly. actually making the transaction. It, and I I really truly think that was not done. Um, I wouldn't necessarily totally believe that it was talked about, and I think that's the, that is what ESPN is reporting. They're not reporting that a transaction was made; they're just reporting that it was discussed. Um, but then again, there's no really way to prove that ESPN had access or knowledge of those tapes because those aren't part of public record yet. Like this is stuff the FBI is still sorting through, so that would mean that someone in the FBI has openly told ESPN that this is what they heard. Yeah. Um, mind and mind you, this they've only listened to a few hours of what I think they said they had over three thousand hours of calls to get through. Yeah, I'm gonna assume um, they didn't listen to three thousand hours in a month. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I don't, I really don't think Sean Miller did anything that's really, really bad. I, I mean, I think he's handled it the right way. The school's handled it the right way. Um, you can report all you want, but there's no, there's no legal action being taken. There's no actual proof yet. Um, there's this one sole report, even if you know you're guilty at this point, you, you ride it out and play with your coach and your top player. And if they want to vacate something after, let that be on them. But we're not going to self punish ourselves for something like that at this time going into the tournament when you're a team that could make a run in the tournament. So I think, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, right now I'm, I'm on the side of, I'm on the side of Sean Miller. And I hope to some level he's vindicated because I really do like Miller as a coach. And even if it's true, like, do I give a fuck? No. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, good for DeAndre Bro, Ayton. Good it, for yeah. Arizona, you know, stepping up to do what it did to get the guy they wanted. Like, everyone else has the same endowment funds to play with. You know, whether you want to admit it or not, it's there. It's happening. Um, maybe it didn't happen in this instance, but if it did, I don't care. Yeah, I mean... Um, Dude, if yeah. we if we could all be indicted for shit we said and have never done, we'd all be in jail right now. Cause I'm I've said a lot of shit that if if I would have been be... in juvie since I was twelve. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's not looking good for souls right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fifteen to li- twenty five to life. It'd be like the episode of Seinfeld, where the the last one where they lock them all up. The four of us yeah. just gonna get locked into a fucking cage together. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, as long as they give us a computer and a mic, we could have some. Yeah. Fun. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I I hope I I don't think a transaction transaction took place either. I like Sean Miller, but some interesting uh piece of uh information is that sean arizona is obviously backing him full-heartedly and it's just interesting the reason potentially why is there's a clause in his contract that if they fire him for a specific reason uh like such as as this with like a scandal or something he actually makes more money which is really weird 
when you think about it, and really smart on on Miller's behalf or his whoever negotiates his contract. So basically, if they just just fire him and you know they don't say a, a given reason, you know, just they're going a different direction or you know they weren't winning as much or whatever, you know, then he he doesn't make as much. So yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna say you know yeah we support him he's our guy so it's it's gonna save them a little money, but which is just a weird contract clause I think but I I I hope he like Dave said I don't really care but I hope he's I hope he's fine I hope he can remain a coach because he's one of the best coaches in the business right now. Same. And- I agree with what you guys said. I just um, I'm a little skeptical because how do you trust a guy that sweats that much? <laughs> <laughs> he fucking sweats through like suits. Like I, I'm, I'm a pretty, girl. I'm a You're pretty a sweater, sweaty Tom. guy. I know I was gonna say that you guys are. You're a sweater, a sweaty dude. But like, I don't sweat through shirts and shit, man. He's he's hiding something. He's hiding. That's that's the psychotic shirt. That's, that's he's hiding. Yeah, like, that's he's going, that's yeah. that's the that's a a trait of a psychopath right there. If you could sweat through anything. <laughs> There's sweat and then there's like sweat and this dude is sweaty like he he is smoked man. Yeah, no. Even speaking of Seinfeld, just thinking about him sitting with the FBI like Costanza and just going, I didn't know I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. So it's that's just the fucking, best line. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fucking hilarious. All right, so yeah, so we're gonna change it oh up God. a little bit. We're we're gonna end it up. With the NBA, but we're going to end it with a segment. And it's going to be one of our recurring segments. It's called Prove Me Wrong. So you've all seen it with the guy going around in the colleges and the memes. He's sitting and he he says a statement to prove him wrong. So I'm going to have some statements for you guys. And I'm going to see if you could prove me wrong. Or change my mind. First up, Anthony Davis is this year's MVP. Prove me wrong. I, I was thinking the other way around. I got a little fucked up on what we were doing here. I was like, I just wrote about this. I'm on the Unibrow Express, but no, I'm gonna let someone else take this one. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to change your mind on that one. I think that's. I think that's a. Uh, I mean, Harden is obviously the other the other candidate. I think it's a two man race at this point. Um, but I think this entirely depends on how far the Pelicans can climb up the ladder. If they can get. If Davis can get them to the three spot with just him and no cousins, I don't even think there's an argument. Um, I think it's just a, a wholehearted Anthony Davis is the MVP, um, which is unfortunate for for James Harden because every he's he's one of those guys who puts together an MVP year every year and just gets that one guy who overtakes him in that that great season that they have. Um, Kind of similar to what happened with Kobe. You know, Kobe probably deserved three or four more MVPs, but got taken them from those two Duncan's two, Steve Nash's Steve two. Nash. Um, yeah, so he probably deserved at least one or two more that he didn't get. Um, but you know, I I think for today, Harden is is the the case. I mean, what they've done as a team is is outstanding, and I think they are. He's brought them to a legitimate threat to the Warriors. The way he's the way he's led that team um, with with or without Paul on the floor is is through the roof, um, and I think he finally could get and does deserve MVP as of now. But I think it's up to Davis to bring them up to standings, and if he does, I, I think he he steals it from Harden. I just I'll prove you wrong. I think <laughs> Dave kind of proved you wrong half half heartedly there. I think he kind of he kind of did it a little bit, but I mean he's averaging thirty one points. 
and nine assists, and he's playing two guard right now. Like the guy's the guy is playing at an unbelievable. He's averaging nine assists a game as the off guard. When have we ever heard that before? I mean, he's playing deep. playing some defense for the first time in his career. I think in large testament to Chris Paul being like you know you get your shit together as I said they probably would. He's averaging about two assists a game, which don't tell the whole tape, but. Um, the Rockets are, are, I think, the best team in uh, basketball right now. And obviously, Chris Paul has to do with that. But James Harding is having a career year. Um, he's breaking people's ankles. He's putting people in comas. Sorry, Wesley Johnson. Getting just fucking getting put in a casket. I mean, he, like Dave said, he's had a lot of, a lot of years where he could have been the MVP. But this year, he's never had the best team. This year... They're going to finish with the best NBA, the best record in the NBA, and most likely, in my opinion, the best team. When you look at everything, when you, I have a lot of stats here about the Rockets being the best team, but we, we may get to in a little. But I think Anthony Davis is doing a lot right now. But I mean, let's not forget Anthony Davis was really took a backseat a little bit to Cousins when Cousins was there. He was the the one B to Cousins. So can you have a MVP that? wasn't the number one player on his team for half the year. I don't know. I mean, he's stepping up big time, but he was he was the second scorer. He was the second rebounder to Cousins on his team when Cousins was there. So I I don't know. I, I definitely like the I like the piece Tom wrote about the case for Davis, and I think he's definitely right there. But I, to me, it's James Harden. I don't know if there's – I don't know. I don't think the Pelicans are going to finish the three seed. I think they'll finish – Five, six, seven. I mean, it's tough to, that East West is so competitive, but James yeah. Harden's mind be locketed. Gotcha. Uh, I, I think you get to that that point, that conversation that you have every year about MVP, where you you have to look at it as are you, the definition, the most valuable player to a team, or mm-hmm. the guy that might not be the most valuable, but he's got the best stats, he's got the, the you know the best team. Like it's. I think that's a battle or conversation that's going to come into play if Davis is able to have the Pelicans climb to three or four. Um, Because I think, you know, with the lack of talent around Davis, it's clear that he's more influential and valuable to the Pelicans' success than Harden is at this point um, to the Rockets. But, you know, then first place is first place. Before you continue, Jones, Tom, I know you wrote about it. Is there anything you could say to counter what Sully said? about Harden being the clear cut? I think Harden is still the favorite for it. Anthony Davis is definitely making it a competition, though. Like, Harden probably, if Davis didn't have the February he did, Harden probably could have coasted through the rest of the season and won it easily. There really wasn't anybody else who was in that discussion. But, I mean, you can't deny the February this guy just had. He had eight games, I think, or seven games over 38 points. He, like... Like Dave said, he's leading the Pelicans right now, and obviously you couldn't do that when Boogie was there, but they were both averaging 28 points a game when they were there playing together. I mean, that's nothing to shake your head at. He's They're distributing the ball to each other well, and I mean, they were the show there. They, I mean, it was just the two of them running freaking pick and rolls and just destroying everybody. But I think he's definitely mixing it up, and it's definitely going to depend on where the Pelicans finish. I mean, right now the West... Is crazy. They went from the fourth to the seventh seed in the West in a day, and they didn't even lose. They there's three teams tied at twelve and a half back right now from the uh, Rockets. <laughs> I think three through six is tied at twelve and a half back, and they're thirteen yeah, back. Gotcha. So and sp- it's it's close. And speaking of the Rockets, it bring us 
to our last hypothetical. And it being that the Rockets are the best team in the NBA. Prove me wrong. You're right. You are 100% right. Why am I right, Sully? You're right because all we hear about is Golden State experience this, that obviously their players are great. There's a notion that the Golden State Warriors are an elite defensive team, and they're just not anymore. Uh, they're 10th in defensive efficiency right now. The Rockets are 9th, so they're they're it's still good, but it's not elite. Um, and they have very capable defenders. They're second in offensive efficiency, obviously amazing. Who's first? The Rockets. They score less points just because the Rockets have slowed down the pace. Um, an interesting statistic here, really a mind-boggling statistic. When they have the trio of Clint Capella, James Harden, and Chris Paul, the Rockets on the year. Let me get a drum roll. But it did it. Thirty-three and one. What? Thirty-three and one is their record when those three players play. They are thirty-three wins and one loss on the year. So tell me wow. how that team is going to get swept. People are saying they're going to get swept. Colin Coward saying they're going to win one game, and I think that's just so disrespectful, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, to the Houston <laughs> Rockets, that people are talking about all this. It, at minimum, at worst, I'm not saying the Warriors have. The war they they could lose to the Warriors in seven games. I'm not saying it's not possible, but the Rockets to me right now the numbers say it. The talent is there. They got Ariza's an underrated player, three and D player. You see him last night basically win that game for them. They are so deep. They got added Joe Johnson. They got Mute and Tucker to add that defense and grit they never had as a defensive presence. They got to just fill Bro, the and board. Gordon is Gordon so has hot. his game so much to be a driver and and a passer. And obviously, Harden and Paul. Paul increases that that defense so much and brings more out of Harden. I just look at this team and I say, how they're deeper than Golden State. There's no question about that. I, I I'm looking at them and saying, how's Golden State going to beat them? Not how are they going to beat Golden State? Oof. And I know I'm probably in. Oof. You know, the, I'm probably in the you know, the minority, minority there, but minority there, yeah. But I see what I see. And I like what I see. And thirty-three and one speaks volumes to me. Anyone can counter that. I think that you, in terms of proving you wrong, I think you have to look to the mafia. And I say this because I watched James Harden fucking throw a basketball game last year in the playoffs. I don't care what anyone says. I don't know how it's not being talked about more. That guy went from an MVP to he. This guy shouldn't have been in the league. It was the most putrid performance ever. It literally looked like he was losing on purpose. It was the only way I could explain it. I think, like, I just have to be worried about their playoff performance. I, I haven't seen anything that shows me that they can compete in the playoffs. And the Warriors, you know, yes, they're not putting up the regular season they put up last year or the year before that, but they have another gear, and I think accessing it in the playoffs is something they can they can turn on and off. Um I don't know if the Rockets have that other gear or if it's sustainable for that long. Not to say that they can't beat the Warriors in a seven-game series because I think for the first time you know, in two years they actually have a chance. Um, but I still think the Warriors are, are the best team in the league because of that come playoff time. Um, I don't see – I just don't see the evidence that, that Harden and Paul will, will be able to overcome their already dreadful playoff 
experiences, not dreadful, but you know, their, their woes of being able to go deep in the playoffs. Um, and I just don't think they're going to be able to change that against arguably the greatest team we've ever seen. Um, so I, I, you know, the Rockets are, they're definitely a contender, but I'm not ready to put them ahead of Golden State in a seven game series. But that's I don't think this is the greatest team we've ever seen, though. That's what I'm saying is that their defense. Yeah, that's what Coward better. said, right? I don't I don't think it's an elite defense anymore. I, I, I think they're getting a little complacent. I'm sure they'll play a little better. As for the, the James Harden, it's hard to defend him. He played awful. I think personally, I think what happened was I think he was just so fucking tired. I think he was just that he had no help. He was the primary ball handler every single game. Him and like Beverly's not handling the ball much. I think he was just so worn down, and I think he quit. I do think he quit. I think I, you you can see it. I think he gave up, and he just once they got down fifteen to twenty, he said fuck it. And you should never do that as a competitor. But Chris Paul handles the ball so much, and I just think that he takes so much pressure off of him, and just and gives him such a even rest of just they can yeah. alternate, go back and forth. That's and and to your counterpoint that they haven't performed to their level in the playoffs. Harden's played. They both played well at times, but they've never been there together and what i've seen with them together this year is they're the best team in basketball so i have no reason to believe they're not going to be going forward as you see with and with and clint capella has turned into one of the low-key one of the best big men who can run the floor very well and gives a ton of effort and can block shots weak side can can has great hands can finish at the rim can do everything they want to against an up up tempo team like golden state so, yeah. The, my one counterpoint about the the this team, the Warriors. When I when we talk about this team in the Warriors sense, I think it's a it's a bunching of this era of the Warriors. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. This 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 dynasty era. This yeah. yeah, this iteration, especially the last two years with KD uh, being added into the mix. Um, I think it you know it's it's virtually the same team from last year. Yeah, obviously you're adding and subtracting a few bench pieces. Hey, Tom, just uh, bring us home. Give us the final word. Yeah, I wish I could um could have come in here today and said that uh my team wanted out beat the best team in the league because I can't really refute that the uh the Rockets are the best team in the league. I mean it's just clear as day to me. I think they're this season just playing at a level that no one else is. That stat that Sully pulled out there thirty one and one, thirty thirty three and one. Thirty three and one with Paul and Harden. Like what are you and Capella? Mean? Oh, and Capella, that's crazy. I mean, Capella's a rebound monster. He pulled in like 17 last night. I yeah. mean, that's good because that's been something that the Celtics have actually improved in like leaps and bounds this year. They were getting yeah. killed years before by every team on the boards, and that's why we were losing games. And then this year they've come out and they've really, with Brad Stevens, is put in their minds that it's about the defense. Defense wins games. And I mean, the, the second-best defensive team in the league. Last night didn't really show it. It was just a straight shootout last night which is super exciting. I think that would be a great final series. That is my hot take for the day, is that it's going to be war, oh, not war, sorry, Rockets, Celtics, NBA Finals, and that could be a good six or seven game series. I mean, the Celtics were able to come back down 26. Granted, they didn't have Paul, but I mean, they came back down 26 and beat a James Harden-led Rockets team. Last night came down to the wire. Very, very smart basketball played by the Rockets with the fouls at the end. Didn't really give the Celtics a chance to do anything until that final shot. And I really thought that shot was going in. It looked so good when it went up, but came up just a bit short there, rimmed out. So It looked so good. 
And I oh. and Tom, I I'm not even gonna disagree with you. I think there's definitely that's a sleeper, good sleeper pick. I don't even think it's just a homer pick. I think that's a good pick, and I think it'd be a great series because the Cavs aren't a lock in my opinion. We can talk about that more next week. Um, but I don't think the Cavs are a lock. I think the Raptors are another good team. You have three teams there in the East. Um, so I I see that, and I I see where you're coming from, and I I, and I wouldn't even mind that other than I don't like the Celtics in particular, yeah. but it'd be great basketball. So you're you were on a little bit similar page with the West, but as we'll throw it back over to Jones, I have a little proposition for you. I'm feeling a little frisky today. I say right here, you don't even gotta give me odds because I know the odds would be better for for me. I'll I'll take the Rockets to go further than the Warriors, aka win the championship, but for technicality purposes, go further. All right, I'm taking the Rockets to go further than the Warriors. Straight up, no odds. I obviously I'd get the better. I, I would have a better payout, but I, I don't care about that. I want. I'm confident the Rockets are going to go further than the Warriors, and I'm willing to put down whatever it is. I'm just. I want to make a deal on air. I believe in this team. I'll take that deal. We could talk numbers, but I'll take that deal for sure. Deal. Well, like like the Yankee bet. We'll we'll talk off air about some oh, yeah, uh, specifics. I love that. I love that. But yeah, well, I mean, me, I, and you, me and you have some action too, don't we? On the Eastern Oh, we Cup? do. We we, we I, do. We made this bet probably like October, I think. That, that, that's a November. that's a weird bet. That's that's if the 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 I believe if the Celtics make it to the finals, you get a hundred, and then it's fifty or hundred. I forgot. And then and then if if they don't make it past the second round, then I win everything. And if they make it to the conference finals. It's, it's even, right? Even, yeah, we yeah. break even, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's even. So it's, yeah, that was a smart one. I like that one. I still like my chances there. Well, I got you last year. I got you last thing, year. Tom, is they they may not make the conference finals only if potentially by seeding if they if they, you know, if they don't get the one seed. If they're the two seed, then right. they're gonna have to play the three seed, which may be the Cavs. Right. Exactly. That could be so good. That, that would that be. Could, I want that the conference final. I don't want that the uh, exactly. The but the, Ra- the Raptor. I mean, it depends if the, the Raptors right. looking like they could be the one seed, but the Celtics could still get it. So the Celtics should really want that one seed. Yeah, I need the I need the Raptors to start losing some games. Yeah, but they're <laughs> they're on fire. They're killing. They are. They they are. Good. They're scary. And just to uh, end it off, this month is Gambler Awareness Month. So guys, please <laughs> be cognizant. But um. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, this t- this March is Gambler Awareness Month. No joke. Oh wow! I feel kind of fucked up giving these people well, back. We're terrible. <laughs> we're enabling. No, oh. we're bringing awareness to how great exactly. sports gambling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's thank you. That's, <laughs> right. If you that's if you have it, I mean, obviously everyone, you know, it can be gambling can be an addiction. So if you ever get, you know, in a spot where you're down and hurt, sack up and double up on the next fucking game. 